Are you tired of not being the chosen friend? Are your wounds affecting your friendship? Do you want to meet new friends, but you're afraid of rejection? We're getting into the makings of platonic friendship with Dr. Marissa G. Franco. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, my babies. How's it going today? It's going good. How are you? I'm I'm well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I am. I can't complain. God is good and life is good. Period. What's the <laughs> latest with you? The latest with me is... Wow, I'm on the spot. <laughs> you know what? Nothing's really late and great. Like I mentioned in our check-in on Patreon, it's been kind of a slow period for me. I've just been taking the time to, like I've mentioned on the previous episodes, just making sure that I'm doing things that bring me joy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether that's skating, going to a yoga class, scheduling a dinner date with a friend, just prioritizing my joy. Period. I'm not mad at it. You know? Mm-hmm. While it's a slow state, like my my life right now is not consumed with you got to do this, you got to do that. This is a time where I just can rest and have a little fun. I like it. Come on, perspective. What's have new? a little fun. Yeah, have a little fun. <laughs> you know, shit. Because sometimes it feels like there's no time for fun. Yeah. So while there is time for fun, I want to have it. Yeah, you want to enjoy it. Um. Yeah, this is a slow period, especially like business wise. We're just getting into the groove and allowing the systems to work, which is nice. Um, And I've been relaxing. I've been feeling I've been doing all the doing all the things that bring the feelings up. Mm. And that's been been nice. Um, This weekend was nice and restful, relaxing. I really enjoyed it. I was not trying to get out there and do anything. I'm like, "Mm -mm." yeah, no. And again, doing things that bring me joy too, like, like to your point. So it was nice. I had a, I went to a breathwork class, sound bath and breathwork class, which was really nice. It was the first time I had done in-person breathwork mm-hmm. and um, I was really committed to the process, like doing all the <laughs> really, really diving in, really doing it, you know, not thinking about the way I sound or the way I look or the way it might you know how you're doing something and you're like, this probably looks stupid the way my mouth is moving. But Girl, I was like, I don't yeah, give a fuck. Right. Period. So um, I was just really engaged in the process, which felt nice. And it brought me um, to tears, yeah. like releasing. And it was really nice because the practitioner was like, you might feel something coming up, which we know. We, we know about breathwork. We have a really great episode, breathwork, um, when we talked to Dominique Clifton, um, just about the practice and, and such. So when I felt some emotions coming up I had already given myself the space to feel it yeah I was like honestly it's okay and it's not like I was wailing and even if I would have been wailing it It would have been fine but um I was just going through the like having the emotional experience like and what really I'll I'll share actually so I I would I thought where I was going to was a shaded little studio right Mm -hmm. I went to a shaded little studio 
It's the second time that I've been there and I really enjoyed myself each time I've gone. Um, my mornings on the weekend usually consist of me doing my workout. So I don't have to do it on the weekend. So I had gone to the gym on the weekday, on the weekday. Yeah. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I had gone to the gym and you know, I like to pile a million things on it before I do one thing. So I went to the gym and then I went to the grocery store and I was like, hopefully I have enough time to go home and get dressed and make myself presentable to go to this class. But I took the pressure off myself to like go home and like change and do all the things. So I kind of went just in my gym clothes and I ended up seeing a friend there. Mm -hmm. And you know how I feel about seeing people outside. Yeah. I want to be looking to, to the, to, to, to the, the nines. To the nines. Yeah. I want to be to the nines and I would not necessarily be running through the streets <laughs> in my work, <laughs> in my workout clothes without my eyebrows like gelled. Yeah, I feel you. Girl. You know, I didn't have no mascara on. So I was feeling kind of vulnerable, like in my, um, what is this called? Appearance. Yeah. My appearance. Um, and it kind of stunned me because I was like, what the fuck? I, I wasn't was expecting. Was not expecting to see somebody. Um, but I, I released it, you know, and I was like, you know, what? I showed up here today. Not can can not. I don't really care how I'm looking right now in this moment. And it's shocking me that I'm seeing somebody and now I'm concerned about it. But really, like I'm here and I'm allowing myself to show up and feel these feelings and be imperfect and and in this moment, all of this is cool. You know what I mean? And that's right. what really brought me to tears was allowing myself grace, like giving mm. myself real grace in that moment. Because there are times when I can beat myself up like, see, bitch, this is why you don't need to be coming out. Yeah. Not looking the way you want to be seen. You right. know, come out the way you want to be seen. Right. And I would have just been beating myself up thinking about that all day. Like, oh, because they looked really cute. They mm. looked like they were ready for the day. Right. And I didn't. Yeah. I looked like the day had already had me. <laughs> <laughs> but they had already had me. But baby. your morning just looked different. My morning looked different, morning exactly. Looked different. Um, yeah. And I had already been up since seven. So I'm like, babe, <laughs> we're here at 1130, but I done already did 11 things. What Mary J. Blige say? What'd she say? So take me <laughs> as I am. And that, and in that moment, I wasn't asking anybody else to take me. I needed to take me. Yes. I'm like, Germany, it's all good, girl. It's all good. We know you know how to step. You know, and I, I gave myself grace in that moment. I said, girl, you you good right here, right now, just Listen, as you are. I love that for you. Good days. Well, y'all, we're here into June, into our friendship series. Last week, we talked about the five anger languages mm -hmm. of friendship and how to just navigate anger when they, when it shows up in your relationships because it will. It will. It Conflict will. It does. Yes, and hopefully you found that information useful. Today, we're going even deeper into our friendship bag. And I think that Germany and I, we do friendship very well. But while we do it very well, I know that we're not experts. And sometimes we have to call in an expert to get us together, to get y'all together, to make sure we have the tools that we need for our toolkit. So coming up next, we have a few church announcements. And then we have a great conversation with Dr. Marissa G. Franco. She's a New York Times bestselling author, professor, friendship expert, and psychologist. We love her because she communicates the science of connection in digestible ways. And she's so passionate about sharing research with the people that can help the most, which is y'all and us. Okay, so sit tight and we'll get right into it. Hey, bookies, we got something special for you. Are you ready to dive into a celebration of blackness that's as diverse as the experience it represents? Well, NPR has got you covered with Black Stories, Black Truths. This is a groundbreaking collection that's more than just a podcast. It's Revelation. 
What does black representation in media mean to you? Because to me, it's about breaking down stereotypes, challenging biases, and also showcasing the rich tapestry of black experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And Black Stories, Black Truths is the epitome of this celebration. Each episode is a living account of what it truly means to be black today. And it's told from a unique black perspective. And I feel like these aren't just stories, like they're narratives of joy, resilience, empowerment, and also the incredible ability to create world shifting things out of the struggle. Seriously, you'll hear about everything from pop culture icons like Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to discussions on vital topics like reparations, y'all. There's really no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Have you tuned in yet? One of my favorite episodes is the one on how real self-care takes real systemic change. That's a must listen. Yeah, I really think the hosts bring a tone that's celebratory. It's also informative and reflective, which I really can appreciate. Every episode is a journey. It offers a range of emotions and perspectives that keeps you hooked from start to finish. As soon as I turn it on, I'm like, mm. And let's not forget, Black perspectives haven't always been at the forefront of America's story. But now they are the story. Period. So this is not just a podcast, y'all. It's a collection of some of NPR's best episodes showcasing the brilliance and resilience of the black experience. And we know NPR is known for its commitment to diverse storytelling. But with them presenting black stories, black truths, I would say that this is NPR with the noir twist. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Turn on NPR today and immerse yourself in a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the incredible country we reflect. And remember, stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, available wherever you get your podcast. Ladies, let's talk real talk here. You probably have days when the PMS has you feeling like you could eat anything in sight. My goodness, the cravings and the general discomfort. Well, say goodbye to those days with Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth. Let's dive into why Hormone Harmony is not just another supplement, but a true game changer. First off, it's not just a trend. It's a phenomenon. Social media is buzzing with women singing praises about Hormone Harmony. In fact, a bottle flies off the shelves every 24 seconds. Can y'all believe that? Now let's talk about Happy Mammoth the brilliant minds behind this wonderful product. They're all about making your life easier and that means no compromises on quality. They've meticulously crafted Hormone Harmony using only science-backed ingredients proven to work wonders for women like us. But here's my favorite part. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, nature's little miracle workers. These herbal extracts help your body adapt to life stressors, especially those pesky hormonal changes that can throw us off balance. And here's the kicker. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. It's your secret weapon against those hormonal imbalances that can wreak havoc on your life. From hot flashes and night sweats to racing thoughts and low moods, Hormone Harmony has got your back. And yes, it even tackles the occasional bloat and that not tonight boo feeling. (laughs) The real benefit here, the real win, feeling like yourself again. 
That's why countless women are raving about it in over 17,000 glowing reviews. We love a verified product, honey. Now here's your chance to experience the magic firsthand. For a limited time, you can get a fabulous 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BRAVADO at checkout. So what are you waiting for, homegirl? Say hello to balanced hormones and goodbye to those days of feeling like a roller coaster. Your journey to hormone harmony starts now. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom question you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she's overcame. This book becomes a legacy and something you and your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm so excited about mylifeinabook.com because I'm planning on gifting my mom with this. She's always loved reflecting on memories and sharing her stories, and I know this will be the perfect gift to capture those moments for her. The thoughts of her flipping through the pages and reliving those cherished memories brings a smile to my face already. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code BRAVADO at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code BRAVADO for 10% off today. Okay, girly pop. So before we get into this really great conversation with Dr. Marissa G. Franco, you know, we just got to let you know a few things. It's it's called housekeeping. Yes. If you are here and you love what you hear, just make sure you hit that bell. The notifications, turn them on so that you don't miss anything from us. And also tap that little follow button. You need to stay abreast. Everything that's happening with the BGB, we want you to know about it first. We do. Also, we have our homegirl hangout. So that is our exclusive membership community on Patreon, where we just connect on a deeper level. If you're looking for friends, you really should be in there. Right. Because that's where you'll find them. Um, so each month we provide exclusive offerings over there. We have bonus episodes. We have live episodes. We have our audio affirmations. We have a group chat. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And this is the first month that we're doing our that we did our. We're doing our cocktails and conversation, which is a live little workshop where Brittany and I are going to be making a signature cocktail. We're going to be having a cute little conversation. It's actually happening tomorrow. It is. So if you're interested in in that sort of thing, the link is down in the show notes. Um, It's just a really good time over there. We also have an amazing challenge going on for the month of June, a friendship challenge, just giving you a few tips and, um, you know, pointers pointers and ideas ideas to help strengthen the bonds that you already have reach out to some old friends we're all in this together we're all really seeking deep deep community and connection and any way that we can do it we want to help facilitate that process for real so let's shout out our homegirls for the week we have drew hey drewger felicia hey felicia and aisha hey daisha aisha aisha hey mama Hey, y'all. Welcome. We are so appreciative of y'all. Hopefully you're over in the Discord and introducing yourself. Period. 
Alrighty, so let's get back to the show. Marissa, we are so happy to have you here. I have read so many of your articles and heard you speak on different podcast platforms. And I have just been taken aback by how much knowledge you have and even just really interested in the fact that you're a psychologist who has decided to study friendship because we love talking about friendship over here. And the the friendship that Germany and I share is very near and dear to my heart. And um, there's been a lot of different like misconceptions that we've heard about friendship. We have so many of our listeners and people in our community write in, letting us know like the different issues that they face with friendship and kind of trying to assess should they feel like all these deep feelings that they feel about their friendship. So I would ask you like, what are some of the common misconceptions that you've come across um, in regards to platonic friendship? Oh, oh my gosh. The big one is friendship should happen organically. <laughs> and that is, um, that kind of sabotages us because there's a study that finds that if you think friendship happens without effort, you're lonelier over time. Whereas if you think it takes effort, you're less lonely because you make an effort. Um, I think one other thing that I really try to dispel in platonic is uh, that we have such a hierarchy of love with romantic love having to be seen as superior to platonic love. But platonic love could be every bit as deep and profound as romantic love. In fact, something I argue in platonic is also that friendship can be romantic and it always has been, um, throughout history. You know, the genders were considered so distinct that you could only have this deep intimacy with your friends. You could only be deep, deeply understood by your same sex friends. So friends would cuddle and write love letters to each other and carve their names into trees. Um, so generally I think maybe one of the misconceptions is that we have to pick apart what's appropriate in a platonic relationship and a romantic relationship, right? Like, romance is where we find a life partner, but now people are talking about platonic life partners or our romantic partners, the one that we really open up to or work through conflict with, but you can do that all with your friendship, with your friends too. Whatever you've learned in your romantic relationship is transferable to friendship and vice versa. Mm, I love that. You know, speaking of how, well, Brittany kind of informing you of how, how much our relationship means to us. I feel like that. I'm like, this girl is like my life partner. This girl is my soul, one of my soulmates, you know what I mean? And sometimes, although I strongly value my romantic relationship, we are so connected. We have matching tattoos. We have a joint bank <laughs> account. I mean, it's our business oh, account, yeah. but I'm just saying yeah. that, you know, we celebrate one another, we go on little dates and it's just, it has that intimate romance like we romance each other within our friendship and yeah. because I love her so much so deeply I could admit here and I've admitted it in the past that sometimes I have difficulty releasing her or allowing her to engage and have other friendships and I know that it's stemmed from my possession and maybe even a little fear like girl don't go out there and get no other friends me. <laughs> but how, how do we work through those feelings of I don't, for me personally, it's just loving my friend so much where I, I cannot imagine her with someone else. <laughs> although although well, I, I want her to, you know, spread her wings. I, I, I joke with her now that I'm just going to boomerang her out like a boomerang. I'm just going to send her out. <laughs> hopefully she comes back to the rightful owner. You know, that's interesting because you saying that you feel that sort of romantic love with each other. 
I think that's kind of a normal part when it feels like, and how I would define a romantic friendship is like, you're passionate about each other. You yearn for each other. You're thrilled by each other. It's like kind of these hot feelings, whereas platonic intimacy feels more like companion. You're my companion. I have feel warmth towards you. It's kind of just like a different temperature. And I feel like that's really normal when you start having this like romantic friendships where you feel like, oh, I want to spend all my time with you. I feel so, so close to you. And I guess like my advice would change depending on, I would have to ask you some follow-up questions, right? Because sometimes we're jealous because our relationship isn't secure in itself. Like, oh, I'm not getting enough from this relationship. So I feel insecure when you hang out with someone else, which I don't know if that's happening in your relationship, but it doesn't sound like it. (laughs) No, I love it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like a a, a more secure friendship. And, um, and that's like a sign of like love you, that you love each other. And I think maybe just framing it as like, I love this person so much and I want the best for them, whatever that looks like. Even if me, that means sometimes that I have to, you know, give them extra space to hang out with other people. That's what I need to do. <laughs> Let you have a little space. Let I, you have a little space. I know. I mean, I feel, I don't know. I don't think that Germany really allows me or provides many opportunities to to feel that way. Like the possession piece, because we're just, this is where we see like the difference in our personalities. We're so, so similar that when um, we have these like differences come up, it's like, oh, Mm-hmm. That's a little different. I think this is just mm-hmm. an example of the difference in our personalities because Germany's more of like a close knit, tight group girl. And I have those elements to myself too, but I'm also just a little bit more open when it comes to, oh, I'm open to like hanging out with a different group, even if it's like a one off occasion or here and there. And because there's just a stark difference between the way that Germany operates in that way, it's like, girl. What you did? What what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like you, you know, we, you know we don't get down like that. So I think it's more yeah. so just like crossing that that road when it comes to noticing like this is a difference because when I hang out with other people, um, although I enjoy my time with them, I'm not thinking like you know this is somebody that definitely I'm looking to be like besties with or gang gang or replace yeah. any of the people that um are near and dear to me, which are very few. I'm just looking like, oh, it would be a, this is just a good time. It's just a good Mm -hmm. time for us to like, you know, hang out and then go on about our way. Yeah. I'm happy we're having these conversations more and more about the importance of these platonic relationships, because I really feel like people don't give them the credit. Like, even Mm -hmm. like when we're in romantic relationships and sometimes they'll be like, you know, thinking that they should now be the center of our world and our lives. And it's like, how do we have those conversations when it's like, you're not going to be the center. Like you're just a part of my world and a part of my life. But I do have friends that have very high importance and are going to require just as much of my time as you require. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like sometimes those conversations can be hard to have for people to understand Mm -hmm. when you're in relationship with them, because they're like, We've been the picture has been painted that once you find a significant other man or a woman, whatever your preference, that these people are now the most important person in your life and everybody else has to take a back seat and just be okay with that. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. There's this queer queer communities for just have been at the front lines of like 
platonic love and, and understanding it more deeply and profoundly. And there is this queer scholar, Andy Nordgren, who talks about relationship anarchy, which means you decide how close your relationship is based on what works for you rather than what society tells you. Like, you know, that my romantic partner has to be first and everyone else comes second, but like what actually makes you personally happy. Um, and I, I feel like it requires us to, first of all, find someone who's in the same place and has a strong community themselves, right? Because it's it's going to be a lot harder if you're with someone who's like, I don't have any friends outside of you and you want to make your friends a priority compared to someone else who's like, I actually have a lot of friends too. So this gives me the space to also invest in my friendships. And I think the second way we do it is we say like, this is a big priority for me. You know, I'm going to be spending time with my friends as much as you're important to me too. And what would make you feel secure given this reality for me? Like, what do I need to give to you to feel secure given how much I want to make sure that I'm investing in my friends as well? Mm. I really like that. I like that too. Um, Let's just address it at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we yeah. should because a lot of times, as especially as women, I know that when we find a romantic partner, we sort of devalue our relationships, our friendships rather. And then the romantic partner becomes the center of our, our lives. But think about if you have good girlfriends out there and I, I wish sisterhood on everybody who's listening. But if you already have this relationship or these bonds with women, how many times have your friends stepped up when the man did it? Girl. Exactly. I think about that all the time. Like <laughs> when something good happens in your life, who do you call or who's the first to be like, girl, we got to go out for drinks. We got to celebrate that. We got to do happy yeah. hour. Like that is a constant reoccurring theme, at least in my relationships where I know my friends are like right there a lot of times. Not that my partner's not, but he's thinking about it probably as an afterthought. He yeah. said, congratulations, baby. Yeah, and the girls way. are like, when can we schedule reservations? Right. When can we link <laughs> up? So. Yeah. But I know, again, that yeah. building friendship and having these platonic rela relationships can, they don't always come with ease. Sometimes we're feeling burned by other women or things might have shown up in our past. How do, um, or rather, what are the wounds that affect friendship? Hmm. Man. Well, first of all, losing friends, like when a friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore, I think that really impacts people, first of all, because we're not given permission to grieve it like we are a romantic relationship. And grief happens in community. Grief happens through expressing your feelings, not being like, oh, it's not okay that I feel this because it's just a friend. So I think sometimes we can invalidate ourselves around it. And friendship grief can be particularly hard. You know, when you go through a divorce or a breakup, people are like, oh my God, what can I do? You know, let's do the meal train. Let me check in on you. But if you're like, oh, I lost this friend, doesn't want to be my friend anymore. It's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like, you know, really hard when it comes to friendship. Another common complaint I hear is a lack of reciprocity. Like I feel like I'm putting in the effort. They are not returning the, that effort to me. What I suggest in that case, you can bring it up. You can say, Hey friend, um, I really enjoy us spending time together. I noticed the last few times I've hung out, I've been the one to reach out. If you'd be willing to reach out more, that would make me so happy. What do you think? You know, um, that's from Kat Bellis, another friendship expert. She has some of the great language around that. And if someone isn't giving you reciprocity after you've tried to address it, it's okay for you to say reciprocity is really important to me. And even though I really like this person, I'm not going to invest as much in this friendship because I want to have friendships of reciprocity. I think sometimes we struggle with what I like to think about as the difference between good friends and good company. 
that just because you like someone doesn't mean you should let them into your inner circle, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have to ask yourself, are they reliable, right? Do they seem to have my best interest at heart? Um, Do they follow through? Can I be vulnerable with them? Can I be authentic with them? Like, it's kind of like a romantic partner, right? Sometimes you get swept up in the chemistry of it and you're not actually asking, is this a good partnership? And I think we need to be asking the same thing about our friendships because literally having quality connection is like the best thing we can do for our mental health and well-being. So beginning to ask ourselves, you know, what, who are these people that I'm letting into my life and how do I channel my energies into those most quality friendships rather than the people that are just good company for me? I love that you explained that that way because I, I seen a TikTok recently or a reel something somewhere. And, um, she was describing the difference of like how you meet these colleagues at work and you sort of miscategorize them in your life as friends. And when they show up and start doing things that you are not really in alignment with or what you would not expect out of a friend, it's like you really never knew them. You only knew them in this one setting where they couldn't be who they actually are. And now that they are who they are, you don't like it. And I think that's a really great way to distinguish like at work, you're probably amongst good company, not that you can't make a good friend, but likely it's good company and not good friendship. And I think that is so important that you differentiate it between the two, because now I'm like, you girls have been in good company and not with good friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's the issue. I love that you brought up like that chemistry and Friendship, because I've never looked at it that way. Um, Of course, when we're talking about romantic relationships, chemistry is a key word that we're saying like, yeah, the chemistry, there was chemistry there. But that made me realize that that's that's just what it's been with people who I thought were friends. It's been like a chemistry, like, oh, we like to do some of the same things, but there wasn't a compatibility. There wasn't alignment in a lot of areas. And I'm glad that I could recognize that now. Like, okay, girl, we had a little chemistry. But you didn't need to be in a permanent spot. Right. You just exactly. you just were here for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something good to keep in mind, like when we're making new friends. So another conversation that I've been having with Germany is that one of the reasons why I feel like I want new friends or more friends is because I I've been like craving a diversity in my friend group. Not to say that the people that are already in my friend group aren't great don't have a lot to offer. Um, But I just feel like we're like really similar, pretty much. We're Mm, really similar. mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to like do different things that maybe I'm not even aware about, but it's like the, these new people that I'm thinking I'm going to meet or hoping to meet, they're going to be aware about it. And then they're going to be able to like introduce me to things and put me onto things. That's been a craving of mine. I'm like, Ooh, how do I like, where do I meet these people? Is this a possibility for me? And I was having this conversation with Germany and she was like, are you trying to say that um, we're not diverse? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's no shade. There's no shade. I'm just saying that that's what I think that I would gain from having a new friend. Like, I don't want a new friend like you. Like, you're already you. You're great. I want like a different kind of a friend. And I'm just wondering, like, what is that? Yeah. Well, if you allow me to put this in research jargon, um, when we get close to people, we include them in our sense of self. So it almost feels like what you're doing, I'm doing. Like if, that's why when when a friend does something new, we become so much more likely to engage in that thing. It's almost like pe- as people, we're kind of contagious with each other. And one ways that we look to expand our sense of identity is to have relationship with different types of people. 
Um, it's one, I think one of the major ways that we expand our sense of identity. And so you're exactly right. Through being exposed to new things from different people, it's not just that you'll be exposed to these things outside of you, but it'll fundamentally can change you. It can change your sense of identity. Now that you've learned about all these different things, it's like everybody is an advertisement for the kaleidoscope of ways we can show up in the world. And so we almost get to know ourselves more deeply through being around different types of people and recognizing, oh, they do this thing. I might actually really enjoy this thing too. This really resonates with me. And that's kind of why friends are so important for us to figure out who we are. And it's another reason why just being around one person, it can make us feel like our identity kind of feels crunched inward. Um, There can be this kind of um, unease. I think that many of us experienced in the pandemic, if you were in a relationship, you're around your partner all the time, you're still like, I feel a little uneasy because you know, I'm only experiencing one side of myself, like as deep as our connection is, you know, the things that we don't have in common, right, are going to become quieter and going to wilt, not even because it's of any malice, unless we're able to find a larger community that can fulfill those sides of us. Yes, this is this is a great point that you have made, Doc, because (laughs) (laughs) while reading your book, Platonic, I learned that I was learning that inclusion of self theory and, and that whole bit. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I need to shift my perspective around meeting new people and being open to diversifying our friend group um, because it, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And I do want to be exposed to new experiences and new things. And I know that a lot of that happens through our relationship with one another. I, my boyfriend randomly was like, let's go play chess at Soho house. And I'm thinking what a chess <laughs> class, but it's because he has such a diverse group of friends who are doing so many different things that then we are exposed to different things. And I'm like, yes, this is important. This is, this is a key. Um, so speaking about meeting new friends. So we recently hosted a women's retreat in El Salvador. And we were just engulfed with so much love that our community ended up meeting each other there and then being friends outside of the retreat, like linking onto one another. They've been hanging out. And we think that is so cute. We know that a lot of that is because we have curated this experience around meeting friends and building relationships. But I I would ask you, how do we mitigate our risk or our feelings of anxiety around meeting new people in these environments that are not curated for like relationship building or friendship building when we just have to go out into the real world and do it on our own? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one big tip that I give that tends to resonate with people is to assume that people like you, um, Reason being, you know, I ask people, who do you think are the people most likely to reject you? It's the people that fear rejection the most. When we're thinking we're going to be rejected, we are closed off. We are cold. We are withdrawn. We are guarded, right? We're protecting ourselves. And and fundamentally, when we're in the self-protective stance, it's an anti-relationship stance because the things that we do to to give to our relationships expose us. They are, they don't protect us. You know, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being affectionate. I'm being generous. I'm reaching out to you, right? All of that exposes me to more rejection. And, um, you know, when people assume people like them, the research shows that when people are told that they should make this assumption, even when it's false, you know, even when these people might not necessarily like you, people become warmer and friendlier and more open and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I think if you're like in this place where you're kind of going back and forth, should I reach out to them? Should I not? Do they want to hear from me? Do they not? 
um, you know, is, did my friend like not respond to me because they, there's something going on between us, like trying to, when it's ambiguous and you don't have enough information, making the assumption, oh, they do love me. They do like me. They are interested in hanging out with me. Cause I think another misconception we have totally inaccurate. Everybody has their friends already. Do you know how many people are lonely? Like it is a, a global crisis right now. Yeah. Anywhere from like 20 to 50% of people, it's way more normal to be lonely than it is to have enough friends where you're like, no, I don't want any more friends. Um, so generally people are a lot more open to you than you think. There was another study that this was in London and it asked people to initiate conversation with strangers for a week. They predicted that about 41% of the time strangers would be open to talking to them. It was actually about 90% of the time. Wow. So yeah, isn't it wild? Generally, the world is just so much more open to us than we think, but because we never test that assumption, because we don't put ourselves out there, we never learn that that's the case. Mm. That is so true. Like, I don't know why our minds are more likely to be conditioned to think they don't fuck with me or they don't like me. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know why it's like that. It's like we go in with our guard up. We looking like, why are they, why are they looking over here instead of thinking? These of people, course they're looking yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, like, of course, <laughs> yeah, like, of course they, they're looking over here. They like mm. me already. I mean, what is there not to like? You have to put on a fake mm -hmm. it till you make it. It's basically mm -hmm. giving fake it till you make it energy. It is. Already it exude is. the confidence. Already exude the energy of like, I am a friendly girl. Girls want to know me. People want to know me. And people you know, sometimes know why am I, why? I know why people want to be my friend, but this is, the, I'm speaking to myself here. <laughs> I am so <laughs> likable. I am so charismatic. I have such good energy. Of course, people want to come over here. That's why they're flocking. Yeah, that's why they're coming mm. over here. So Locking. I just need to invite them in. I need to just invite them in and say, <laughs> "Welcome, girls. Sit down. Yeah, yeah. Sit down and let's yeah. kiki. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, um, another thing that we've been hearing lately is that a lot of our homegirls in our community don't feel like they're being chosen by the friends in their lives. Like they mm. feel like maybe they're the ones who always have to do the reaching out or. Maybe they're just they're not being seen by the people that they care about. And it doesn't feel good. Like, I know one of the homegirls, she's been trying to make friends like she just started school, like a new college. And she just feels like the energy is not there. Like, she doesn't feel like she's mm. being picked, like, you know, feeling like the people like her. So mm. do you think that we can apply that? same like risk theory to that or like what would be the remedy to working through not feeling like you're the chosen friend nobody is chosen we're all true choosing like the people that are making friends they're initiating like people are not generally we're so passive when it comes to friendship that the average person is not trying and not putting forth the effort and it's not personal to her it's not personal to her at all like we've never been taught how to make friends the people that succeed at making friends they're the ones that choose they're the ones that say Hey, you know, it's been so nice to talk to you. I'd love to connect further. Would you be open to exchanging contact information? They're following up multiple times, right? Because it takes, I don't remember, at least 50 hours to go from acquaintance to friend, right? So that means that it, making a friend is like a long-term investment. It's not just let's hang out once. It's like you ask a couple of times. Hopefully you start to get that reciprocity. There's ways to make that easier, there's this sociologist, Rebecca Adams. She says friendship does happen more organically. When we see each other repeatedly in an environment that allows us to get, let our guard down. So that was school for us, right? Recess, gym, lunch. But as adults, we don't have those environments. We have to recreate them. So can you join a language class rather than a language workshop? Because that's just one experience. That's just one day we want something repeated. 
instead of going to a happy hour, can you join an improv class? You know, can you join a separate club? Whatever it is that you're interested in that's repeated over time, because you capitalize on something called the mere exposure effect, which is literally our unconscious tendency to like people who are familiar to us. (laughs) They don't even have to say anything to us. Like wild study, they plant these women into a psychology lecture. No, none of the students remember the woman, but they report liking the woman who showed up to the most lectures 20% more than the woman that didn't show up to any. So do you have environments of repeated unplanned interaction and shared vulnerability in your life? Because for most of us, we only see people every day at work, but we're not letting our guards down at work. So, so like if we're just kind of relying on it to happen, we're just not in, in an infrastructure that allows it to happen organically. So, you know, if this was my, if I did friendship coaching and this was my client, I would say like, what groups do you want to connect to? You should stay for at least two months unless you're really dreading it because the experience is going to become different as you become familiar with each other. And also once you find someone you like in that group, you have to overcome what I called covert avoidance, which is like you show up physically, you check out mentally. You're just kind of on your phone. You're talking to that one person you already know. You have to overcome that. You have to say to someone like, oh yeah, like how are you liking this group so far? What can you tell me about it? I would love to maybe get coffee before our next one. Is that something that you would be open to? Ooh, yeah. It's the that's re- scary. It's the repeat. <laughs> no, but it is the repeat thing because if you just go to something once, you're like lowering your odds of connecting. Like if you go to the same thing, like say it's every Sunday, like for instance, I went to yoga on Sunday. It's with Walk Good LA and they do yoga every Sunday, right? And I met someone there, but I'm probably not going to talk to that person ever again. Unless I go back to that again and see them there versus like, okay, I, I'm hoping that I go this one time and I make a connection with someone. And it, that's putting so much pressure on you to be like, so okay, hey, how are you? Hi, you want to go out? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's so much <laughs> happening in one, t- in one, like, you know, in one meeting. And then if you come back like every Sunday, it's like, hey, I'm seeing you again. You're talking that increases your odds of that possibly happening because we put so much pressure on ourselves. We like, I went to the hype girl and nothing nope. happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went, to I went once. Yes, I went to They one. were clicky. Yeah. Never again. That actually happened. It's three years right. past and you still haven't tried anything again. <laughs> it ha- it's really, it, it is really difficult to overcome that covert what did you call it? Covert? Covert avoidance. Avoidance. I feel like as a we are queens of that. Just generally in society, it's like, let me go with my one friend or mm-hmm. I know she's going to be there. So I'm going to talk to her. I bank on the one person that I know Girl. who's going to be there. And that's stressful too. Mm-hmm. I know. And then they don't show up and it's like, damn, actually, I can't even go. <laughs> or they don't want to go. And it's like, now I can't go because my one. Or we're waiting in the car until our one shows up. It's like, I can't even go in and socialize because my one is not here. Uh, That has to be a practice of ours to just get in there and mix and mingle. Um, I love that you talked about finding a hobby within our community and allowing that to be the source of which we can make friends. Because the one time that I did something in community was I was running during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and bonding with the women that I was running with it became natural because we were going out to the same track every week we were like posting about it we became a community it was so easy and I'm like oh wow I wasn't looking for new like associates but here it is right in front of my face 
Mm-hmm. So easy. And look yeah. how I let you go out. Exactly. You did let me go out. She, she <laughs> let me go run with the girls. She I let, let me go run with the girls. Um, so, Marissa, one of the things that I like, or what's important in Brittany and I's friendship is like, well, there's a lot of things, but like loyalty and safeness, security, reliability. What do you think are some qualities or characteristics that sustain friendship? Hmm. First of all, I just want to say I love you all's friendship. Oh. And that you have just found such depth with each other. Thank you. Um, I think it's so beautiful. And security was the word that you said, which I think is is just really important and really special. Um, you know, I think a lot of us try to find security in a romantic relationship, but for friendship, it's like, well, you know, here and there, I all flake out, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to put in as much effort or intention about it. And so that's just really lovely that you, you have that. Um, but what, in terms of what maintains friendship, there was this study on long distance friendships that found that when you see them as flexible and not fragile, it maintains them, which means that when there's an ebb to the friendship, you don't think it's over because if you do, you're not going to reach out again and it's just going to end, right? Whereas if you see this as, oh, this is part of the process, we'll be close at some in some seasons, more distant in others, then you're going to reach out again and you're going to be able to renew the friendship. So that's really important. I also think the ability to work through conflict. Friendships die because we never make the unsaid said. And it can be the accumulation of things that are quote unquote little that make us withdraw from each other. When if we were able to have the conversation, we could have healed that rift between us. I think a lot of the times, this is a toxic behavior that I think I had that I didn't recognize as toxic. When I was upset about something, me just trying to get over it and instead just withdrawing from people and not even giving them a chance to to share their side of things or share the circumstances that might've contributed to what's going on between us. Like, you know, just an example, when I was writing platonic, I sent a draft to my best friend and I hadn't heard back from her. And I asked for some like feedback and she, she reads scripts and stuff. And, um, you know, I kind of sat on that for a while. Cause I was like, dang, like I really need you in this moment. And you didn't respond. But when I actually was like, brought it up with her, she was like, oh, I did respond. <laughs> I was like, you did? And she's like, yeah, I emailed you back. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> so just imagine how, you know, you hold someone guilty without giving them a jury, without giving them a trial when you don't have conversations around conflict and you instead choose to withdraw from the person unfairly because you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know the larger circumstances around what's happening. And I will honestly say, like, there's the psychoanalyst Virginia Golder, and she says, you could have flaccid safety where you feel safe because no one brings up problems, or you could have dynamic safety where you feel safe because you rupture and you repair and you rupture and you repair. And, and there's just so much more depth in that dynamic safety. You know, I told you I'm on a, a trip to Mexico right now with some of my friends and me and my best friend, we've literally been checking in every day and been like, oh, is there anything that, you know, I've said that kind of has affected you weirdly? And it's not, it doesn't even feel like conflict. It's like, oh yeah, this is what this meant in my unique language. What were you meaning when you said that? Oh, okay. You know, thank you. (laughs) We can, you know, now I understand like how to treat you better, how to love you better and vice versa. So it's gotten to the point where it's not scary anymore, Yeah, (laughs) which feels so special. And, And I'm at the point, I think after writing Platonic, really learning how to make friends and feeling like I've gotten very skilled at friendship, but now really wanting friendship where I can tell the truth, where I can where we can talk about any issues between us and it's not an attack and we're not even unkind and we're not even blaming each other. We're just like, yeah, this, 
This is, you know, this hurts me. This is what it means for me. This is some of my past experience. Where, where are you coming from? Let's just like come to like reality consensus on this. Period. Put it all on the table. It's the vulnerability yeah. that's needed in, vulnerability. in friendship. And I think that that's a piece of why my, the two friends that I have really close to me is mean so much because I am allowed to just show up completely like flawed and see me. I'm okay with you seeing me. And I, you know, I was thinking today uh, on my way here, what was Brittany and I spark? And um, <laughs> we, we are line sisters. We're in the same sorority. And I was just thinking about how honest and raw we could be in the moment where we were having like a really challenging time. And she seen me and I was able to see her. We were having a similar experience and we were, well, we were having the same experience and having similar feelings about it. And I feel like a lot of times in relationships or people who you're not vulnerable with, you'll try to sugarcoat it and make it seem like it's something that is not. Or if you do say how you feel, the other person doesn't say, yeah, me too. Fuck them. Yeah. And then you just yeah. feel like maybe, maybe I can't be my real self, my yeah. authentic self. Right. So, you know, right. having that vulnerability within friendship is just like mm, a chef's kiss. It is. Oh, so much. The vulnerability. It's what makes friendship the most restorative. It does because otherwise you feel like you don't really. They said an associate. That's what I'd be telling Germany. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm not vulnerable. It takes me a lot to be vulnerable. So there's no way that the, the people can really become. I'll say hold the same space in my heart that she does because it's just a completely different interaction. Like not to negate any of the other interactions. It's just different. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes me a lot to be vulnerable. It takes me a lot to open up. And I will say that that's why this relationship is so dynamic. Like you mentioned the dynamic safety. We definitely can just say to each other, you know what girl, when you did that, I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And this is how it made me feel. And it's not like, are we going to text each other the next day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, period, girl. If I if I don't hear from you, what's going on? Yeah, I expect you to know? hear from you. I expect to be on the same page tomorrow. Yeah, it's usually resolved mm-hmm. like... Right then and there. It's usually resolved like all in the same breath, like issue presented, resolution, let's move forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I think that that dynamic safety is really key because... Listen, I don't want to have to feel like I'm walking on eggshells with you. Also, because like mm-hmm. I'm very um, blunt. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. it. I'm very blunt. Direct. Yeah, I'm direct. And sometimes that's not received in the best way. So, But mm-hmm. I let her know. I say, hey, girl, <laughs> I cannot deal with your sharpness. Dull your knife down, please. Dull your knife down. Right. And she's gotten better with the way that she presents information or mm-hmm. feedback. I'm I love that it. you've grown so much through your friendship. Yeah, we have grown here. We have. Okay, but for the ones where we we feel like we're not growing, because there are some friendships, although this is a great one, there's been some friendships where I felt like, oh, my God, because of maybe a lack of certain things or um, maybe not being as evolved. Um, I felt like, you know That's what? Real. This friendship is not working for me, and I'm ready to let it go. Like, even a lot of our listeners, they write in and they're like, I'm feeling misaligned with this friend. Should I just like ghost them or how do I break up mm. with them? Even after being friends for a long time. Yeah. You yeah. know, just recognizing the stark differences in you two as you've, as you've evolved. Yes. Um, yeah. And since we're not the experts or the doctors who have studied <laughs> friendship, me, we might not <laughs> offer the best counsel here, but how would you advise someone to navigate in this space if they feel like, you know what, this is a friendship I need to end. Is it ever okay to just go someone? Yeah. So 
First, I would say just to remember that in friendship, we have more options than just stay or leave. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the beauty of friendship. It can be on a spectrum and we can go from best friends to friends or friends to acquaintances, right? So I would ask people, is there a dose at which you'd like this friend in your life? Even if you feel like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not compatible anymore. Is there a dose at which you feel compatible? I think distance can create intimacy (laughs) with some people, right? Like the more distance that we have, the closer we are going to feel. And so that would be my first question. Is there, if this friendship is a spectrum, do you want it to be on the spectrum at all? And where do you, where would you want it to be on that spectrum? But let's say you're just like, no, like, I don't want them to be in my life at all, um, it's hard. It's hard for a few reasons, right? Because if you're in the same friend group, you might see them again. It's going to be a very delicate situation. And I think that if it's a friend who's like not reaching out to you, you're not reaching out to them, you can just kind of back away and that's okay. But if it's a friend that still wants to be friends with you and you are no longer interested, I recommend having a direct conversation. I know it sounds super uncomfortable, but when you don't have that conversation, you magnify the discomfort for the other person. They experience something called ambiguous loss, which means you can't process your grief because you don't have closure. Mm. And so you can kind of leave this person in a state of constant ruminating or preoccupation with the friendship because you weren't willing to express things directly. And I think even when you do express (laughs) that you want the friendship to end, you can do it in a way, you can create what's called a commemorative friendship, which means you recognize that you did have some good moments and you did grow with this friend. Like I think conflict and breakups go well when we express express ambivalence. I mean, ambivalence sounds bad, right? But often when we have conflict or breakups, we're only sharing what's bad. But the ambivalence is acknowledging there was good, even though we did have struggle in this. So it's not like I'm attacking you and you suck and I need to end this. But like, I appreciate our friendship for all these reasons. Here's some of the reasons why I'm feeling like at this time we might not be as um, compatible. And I just wanted to make sure that I was being upfront or transparent rather than just sort of backing away. Mm. Putting that in the tool. Real one. Yeah. That takes real maturity. <laughs> especially, you know, when yeah, it's really hard. especially when you're presenting the good things because, you know, that gets us like, okay, maybe they do want to stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> Once yeah. they're presenting all the good, it's like, oh, that was good. But yeah. But still not a fit. It's still not a fit. It's still not a fit. But I, I do love that insight and perspective that you gave about being able to you know, kind of change the relationship, go from best friend to friend to associate to whatever you want it to look like is fair. You know, that spectrum of friendship. Mm. I think that's a really great tool for a lot of us to take with us because we just think like, girl, if you were once my best friend and now we're not as close as we are, You're we cut. can't even be friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's happened to and me. We also, and we also aren't like bringing it up and giving a friend a chance to change. We're just like, oh, they're not fulfilling my expectations. Like, goodbye. I want to cut this person off. But like, imagine if you did that in a romantic relationship, right? Like one problem you're not talking about and you just leave. Like none of these relationships would be sustained. Like you just have to be able to talk through issues and intimacy is intimacy. Like if you need to do that to maintain intimacy in your romantic relationships, you have to do it in your friendships too. And that's what the girls need to see. We're putting in just as much work. Right, because we mm-hmm. feel like, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, that friendships don't take as much effort in. Baby, these friendships are jobs. They okay, are. they are jobs. <laughs> they like, are. You have to consider how people receive information. You have to consider their feelings. You have to yep. think about. You have to show up for them. Because if you're my friend and you're not mm-hmm. showing up, we are not friends. Right. You know, exactly. there's celebrations. There's breakups. There's family, loss of family members. Like, there's so much. So 
we definitely need to like reframe our perspective around how we need to show up to have these friendships that we desire. Yeah. Because they take a lot of work. It's good work, but it takes work. Yes. Not always easy, but it's always worth it. Yes. So, Marissa, Black Girl Bravado here. We define Black Girl Bravado as undeniable confidence and in-your-face boldness, right? So what has been your biggest moment of Black Girl Bravado in your life? Ooh, unabashed boldness. (laughs) Let me think about this one. I feel like I have such a soft bravado. That's okay. <laughs> we like that. Yeah. I'm soft bravado. Um, honestly, I guess the one, the thing that's coming to mind is just like really just being able to like bring up problems with my my friends and and say like, oh hey, you know, where where are we coming from with this? Cause I I felt a little hurt because this is what it meant to me. Um, that feels like it takes a lot of bravery from me because I feel like I grew up in a family where it was more like ignore it and get over it. (laughs) And if you're not getting over it, you're too sensitive. (laughs) Um, so it feels like a huge shift for me to be able to do that. And it, it, it has felt scary. It's feeling less scary now, but, um, I don't know. It feels like such an act of, of bravery when you tell someone that you hurt them because it's so vulnerable and, um, and we don't always recognize it as like a way to like show how much you value and love someone um, because you're like, I'm still with you here and I want us to work through this together. I love that. Wow. You're profound. My- you're <laughs> profound. <laughs> you're mine. You're mine. Um, so Marissa, before we let you go, do you, is there anything about friendship that you would like to share that we didn't cover already? Hmm. Let me think. I mean, you have a full book on Oh, I do have a full (laughs) book. Um, So you can find a lot of it there. But I think I kind of touched on this when I said assume people like you. What what we see in the research on friendship across the board is that how we predict we come off is a lot more negative than the truth. Mm. So there's research on the liking gap, which finds that when strangers interact and they predict how like they are by one another, they underestimate it. There's research on reconnecting with people that finds that when we predict how people will receive it, when we reach out to reconnect, we underestimate just how happy it makes them. There's research on showing affection to people that we predict that it comes off as more awkward than it does and just under predict. We don't, we're inaccurately predict, um, just how much it'll make someone happy. And so even acts of kindness, right? When we try to estimate how much an an act of kindness will impact someone, we underestimate how that act of kindness will will impact someone. And I think not knowing this really restricts us from doing all these beautiful things that can make us friends. And so my niece put it, for friendship to happen, someone has to be brave. So I hope that information helps someone be brave. Oh, yes. Your niece is also profound. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I feel like it's just really like, We've mentioned time and time again, like getting in the driver's seat of our lives and stand in the driver's seat because we leave so much of what we desire in other people's hands and talk ourselves out of the very thing that we want by thinking nobody cares about me. Nobody likes me. I can't do that instead of just doing it. Period. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think so much of the time we're thinking about how people are impacting us and we're not thinking about how we're impacting them, right? We're like, they never reach out to me. I have no friends. My friends aren't celebrating me. But what are we doing? Are we reaching out to them? Are we celebrating them? Like, are we being intentional about them? Because there's this theory called reciprocity theory, which is people tend to reciprocate what we put out in the air. So my other tip is like, it may feel really hard to have 
to struggle in friendship. And it's really normal too, but also like make sure you hold yourself accountable. Mm. Mm. Now that's a note that we can take, not in our friendship, but sometimes we're like, why isn't this happening for right. us? But we don't be. We're, we're taking that little bit that you get. That was actually for us. We receive it. Thank you for the nugget. Dr. Marissa G. Franco, can you let our homegirls know where they can find you online and about Absolutely. everything that you have going on? Yes. Yes. So uh, my Instagram is Dr. Marissa G. Franco, D-R-M-A-R-I-S-A-G-F-R-A-N-C-O. I share research back tips on friendship. I have a quiz on my website, drmarissagfranco.com, where you can um, take a quiz that assesses your strengths and weaknesses as a friend, gives you some feedback. I uh, do speaking engagements on connection and belonging at work or outside of it. So you could also reach out on my website, drmarissagfranco.com. And of course, if you want to hear more on friendship, I recommend my New York Times bestselling book, Platonic, How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends. Yes. yes. Get that book, y'all. I yes. have an audible and I'm loving it. It's and so you have good. the sweetest voice. Yes. Oh, I love thank it. thank you. It's so soothing. <laughs> it it's is. so soothing. I'm like a sweet voice. Mm. Sometimes they're like, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yes. So we could keep you all night with your beautiful voice, but we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for Thank all of the. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. The information that you share is just wow, yes. mind blowing. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to help our community. So, again, thank you so much. Yeah. That was such a fulfilling and insightful conversation with Dr. Marissa G. Franco. I, I'm just, I'm feeling all the love and all the friendship vibes. Um, but we're going to take a break. We have more Black Girl Bravado coming up right after this. Okay, y'all, so we have reached our final segment of the show. It is now time to pick up your pen. We're, we're dropping, dropping a gem. gem. So this is a part of the show where we share with you the things that we're feeling, we're inspired by, that we love. And if you want to share something that you're inspired by, you love, you can call the Homegirl Hotline. That information is down in the show notes. It goes down. So... All the girlies are gathering at the trader that is Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the Joe that trades. The Joe that trades in getting there. Hold he- on. I don't know about that oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> Girl, we are gathering and we are getting our things. So every year around this time, Trader Joe's has their Brazil nut body butter that comes out. And listen. They didn't up the ante this time. They said candle, body wash, scrub, bag. You're going to get everything. Yes. They, th- that body butter though, that's the gym. That's the, that's the star of the show. I think the wash, I mean, honestly, the, but the body wash and the, the butters. The Brazil nut collection. Right. <laughs> the thing that really makes the girls gravitate towards this is because we were told it was a dupe. And, you know, the dupe at a cheap raw alternative gets the girls going. But I will say nothing is fucking with that real. I think it's better. What? I don't. It's thicker and it lasts longer. It's thicker, but the smell, the smell. The smell's different. Yeah. But. Equally good. Let's talk about the current gym. (laughs) The current gym, the Brazil Nut Body Butter at Trader Joe's, it's so thick. 
it's moisturizing and then when you pair it with the oil you really got something going on yeah you gotta slap it with you the really oil. got something going on and it just smells so good yes girly so run in there get yours i think they have a three minimum three max that you can uh my stores have not had a max oh i mean i mine hasn't either but some stores where the population is probably super black <laughs> two limiting two max uh, let us know if you are also loving the brazil nut collection because it has us in a chokehold yeah i've already got I got a lot so saved up a stash. I know you've been getting two every time. <laughs> yeah, hit up Trader Joe's. It's only five ninety nine. I know. All right, girly. So we've come to the end of the show. We are going to head out now, but hopefully we see you back next week. Yeah, we'll you better still be have talking here. We'll still be talking about friendship. So we'll see you then. Love you. Bye. Bye.